Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill. With natural foods, they support organic, vegan, paleo, and gluten-free lifestyles. Learn more about their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. Listening to Eat Your Words and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and I'm working on a, a new microphone now that works. Um, <laughs> so it's the middle of summer, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have been going to barbecues, grill outs, maybe park nicks, and so forth. And there's there's something that, you know, something about grilling with a lot of people, cooking together, showing off your food with a lot of people that brings out the certain sense of competition, I think. Um, so uh, I'm really pleased to have a book that really explores that. And uh, it's written by a young lady who, uh, okay, let, let's back up a little bit. Maybe like 10 years or so ago, um, there was really this zeitgeist moment of cook-offs in Brooklyn. Um, there was the takedowns. There was other cook-offs. There was just every other day it seemed like there was a cook-off. And it's still going on. But um, one of the first people that I really you know noticed was always there on the scene, was Jen De La Vega. And a good 10 years later, 100 recipes, I don't know how many cook-offs later, she has come out with a cookbook called The Showdown Comfort Food Chili and Barbecue Cookbook, Bold Flavors from Wild Cooking Contest. Hi, Jen. Hi, Kathy. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me. I'm this so is excited. getting me all like nostalgic. I know. That's how I felt when I was writing this book last year. Yeah. It, it encapsulates eight years of competitive cooking. Yeah, and, and it really is still going on. I mean, I don't want to say it was like just this like moment in time, but certainly, um, you know, we were kind of like hashing back. There was like this crowd of characters, which was really, really interesting. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, you go to, when you think of like a chili cook-off or a barbecue cook-off in other parts of the country, you kind of have this uh, image of a... A guy, mm -hmm. maybe like in his 40s with a pot belly or so. Not yes. so much the case in Brooklyn. No. Um, I detail this in the first chapter, which is mm -hmm. all chili. Mm -hmm. Because chili was the first uh, takedown or competition that I was in. 
So that was the very first. The very cook-off. first. It was at Mo Pitkins before it closed. Um, yes, I remember Lower that. Lower East Side. I was there as well. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I remember Ida, who yes. always had a Star, a Star Trek, Trek themed chili. <laughs> we are not kidding. You can't make this stuff up. Yeah. And this very lovely older gentleman named Tony Santoro, mm-hmm. who I later found out works for Sesame Street. Oh. Isn't that random? I, I, after years and years and years of st- standing next to him, handing out samples and, you know, dirty talk. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to beat you this time, yeah, yeah. Tony. <laughs> um, I asked him, hey, Tony, uh, what do you do for a living? He's like, oh, I'm the lighting designer for Sesame Street. I said, excuse me? Of course. He said, do you want to come by? And I was like, what? I remember one time I wrote, like, uh, you know, I would write these recaps about the chili cook-off on my blog, and somebody commented, and I think they put it so perfectly, but they were like, chili people are hilarious people, and they're also the best people ever. I was like, wow. (laughs) I learned a lot. I I didn't put this in the book, and I regrettably should have included this detail, but Carol Liu, Uh um, I remember she won. My best friend. Yeah. (laughs) She won uh, one year, I think it was at Union Pool, Mm -hmm. with just a pantry chili like she didn't spend any money oh yeah she like emptied her pantry and fridge and i was like this is my chili brilliant and i was like i'm here breaking my back spending all this money like an (laughs) idiot and i should have just been resourceful and the win like the lose wouldn't have felt so bad yeah (laughs) i mean there's so many directions you can go with it which is why i love this book because it really illustrates that in a really fun way that you know chili is anything yeah i mean is there any parameters well well i mean that's part of matt's story hearts, we'll actually okay. that's part of matt tim's story i have a little interview with him in the in the beginning so he's the host of the takedowns yes. by the way creator of it yeah um we went to we went to uh where was it booby trap in bushwick uh-huh. do you know that part yeah. and i said can i can i interview you for my book and uh, he doesn't remember this <laughs> But um, he detailed the beginnings of why he thought chili Mm -hmm. would be a great vehicle to get people to know each other and to experiment. Um, He joined the International Chili Society. Right, right. And and wanted to participate there. But they had so many rules Rules. about the size of the meat or the shape of the meat and beans or no beans and the viscosity of the tomato that he just... (laughs) Got really upset with it. <laughs> Some spices are off, you know, off limits, limits. Yeah. So that's why the takedowns historically have had no rules mm. about how you get it, how meat you make no your meat. Yeah, <laughs> you make chili. And that freedom is has sort of pushed people like me to keep creating. Right. And right. now have a gigantic book of recipes. And I think that's something so fun um, that you've really taken uh, into your own hands. Each. Each recipe is so different from oh, yes. the rest. You don't have like this, you know, this signature or something. Maybe some of these recipes have since become signatures, but it's not like you're you're the I don't know, I'm gonna do Asian fusion every time or something like that. It's like No, I don't I think my shtick is that I don't have a shtick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in the middle of all of this is when I started my food blog, Randwitches. Mm-hmm. Randwitches. And random sandwiches. Random sandwiches. My f- favorite thing. Find it at Randwitches on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, that's correct. Um, but I don't like eating the same thing twice. I really don't like repeating myself, and I really don't like repeating myself. So, Jen, you're not a cook. You didn't work in restaurants. You didn't go to culinary school. You started doing cook-offs. But um, I love the story about how you, you really got into cooking by 
making grilled cheese oh, a yes. different way. Yeah. How many different ways can you make grilled cheese? Well, uh, I, I didn't finish, actually. <laughs> it was every Sunday night uh, for maybe a year and a half. I was working in the music industry and struggling to pay my bills. And so I also had a night job. So I was double duty during the weekdays. And on Sunday, it was the only day that I could relax with my friends. And so I invited people over to have grilled cheese because I just love grilled cheese. It's comforting. (laughs) But I really didn't want to repeat the next week. And so I just I bought the cheese primer uh, by Steve Jenkins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Veritable cheese tome. Mm-hmm. And I just started going through, finding these cheeses and trying to figure out how to use them. I didn't know how to use them yet. Um, and I just kept going. How to grill the cheese. Yeah, cr- grill a bunch of cheese. Yeah. And a really interesting challenge about that is, A, I've never had that cheese before and I'm trying it for the first time. And B, a lot of cheeses don't melt. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like goat so, cheeses don't melt or... Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> blue cheeses don't benefit from roux. They benefit from, uh, like heavy creams, fatty things. So yeah. it was an incredible learning experience, but I just loved pushing myself to keep making new ones. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point when one of my friends said, have you ever thought about taking this seriously? And I was like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no. And then it took another roommate to email me about the takedowns mm-hmm. to enter. So you should try it. Well, all right. So from grilled cheese to chili to barbecue showdowns. Oh, my goodness. Actually, real barbecue, like, with the guys that we were talking about, like, with the huge beards and who knows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it was... The wife beaters. And it was difficult. I was surprised how far I got in the first year. <laughs> because this is a different structure. Yeah, so, so what is this cook-off? This is, like, a... It's, it's a it's bar called, called Project Parlor in uh-huh. Bed-Stuy. And it's, it's not formal. It doesn't have any, like accreditation attached to it but uh there is a certain legitimacy to it Mm -hmm. yes so the takedowns are um ticketed events where uh, like 30 up to 30 chefs are handing out samples like small Mm bite-sized samples now this was a pop-up structure Mm -hmm. so we had to create full menus uh do the cash, uh, take orders, deliver them, play to, you know, Not the to mention, whole... barbecue is a much longer process. I, I learned that, yeah. yes, it was really... <laughs> I learned how to light After a grill. After signing up, yeah. <laughs> After signing up, I figured out how yeah. to grill. Um, but that was, that's part of my, I guess, ethos of just jumping in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and celebrating failure, too. You know, it sounds Absolutely. like with the grilled cheese, everyone eats something that was, like, maybe not the best grilled but cheese. New. But <laughs> it's still grilled. Who cares? No, I mean, yeah. the first time, yes, it's a new experience. But mm-hmm. the second time I serve it, it's significantly improved or it's become the best thing ever. So it's part of the process, I think. Now, today you are uh, a caterer yes. and private chef. I'm a wedding caterer. And a wedding caterer. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? <laughs> How do you celebrate failure when you're cooking for somebody's wedding, though? <laughs> Just like, well, <laughs> well, this is why we have a lot of consultations. Okay. <laughs> we actually, the way that I cater, um, we hang out and have beers first, yeah. and we talk about your the list of foods that you absolutely hate. Yes. And we spend a lot of time on that. Okay. So that it's drilled into my head that we are not serving any mm-hmm. of that or serving a thing in a way that you don't, you know, we, we try to get around. You hang out. The mistakes. And get to know them a bit, maybe. Yeah. And then we, we figure out what you love mm-hmm. and then figure out what, something unique that we can offer at this event because we're celebrating you and, you know. That sounds really cool. So they really weren't really like, fun. I want XYZ 
it's more like, okay, let me like feel you. Now and <laughs> yeah. So for example, um, my, one of my dear friends, Sam emailed me and said, would you, would you be available to cater our wedding? But we are set on having only burritos. Okay. And I said, yes. yes Ran burritos. Yeah. Ran burritos. <laughs> or, um, another friend, Sam, coincidentally <laughs> wanted barbecue and we, we spent maybe four weeks testing a, her custom barbecue sauce, which was smoked bourbon, cherry. Oh, yeah. that's so great. It was wonderful. Did you, oh, that sounds like a great idea to make in little bottles as mm-hmm. gifts too. Well, I gave her a big quart for okay. her gift. <laughs> nice. So you can could keep it for if i had time sam i would (laughs) have that's really awesome so okay so all this you've learned i don't know you so all your experience it sounds like has been from cooking competitions most of it yeah i did and reading i did work for homemade which is in red hook Mm -hmm. and they had a tiny wine bar which Mm -hmm. is not like a full wine kitchen um, yeah but they also catered weddings so that's where i got a lot of my aesthetic and sort of structure but um the food style is completely mine and inspired mm-hmm. by competition yes yeah and there's something like intensity because you're going in there and you're serving not just like your friends and maybe one of their friends who happens to be a stranger you're serving like hundreds of strangers so when you do a cook-off so that's pretty good experience i would think actually yeah it's parallel <laughs> to catering weddings yeah you get like a lot of varying feedback which is useful i would yes. hope which is why when you, I have a whole exposition in this book about how to prepare or use this book. Okay. Um, and I have a whole thing about uh, condiments and I undersalt actually purposefully in these recipes because what I'm thinking about is the cumulative effect of the menu. Ah. Because mm-hmm. there are people who may not want pieces of it or are allergic to a certain sauce. So Wait, explain. <laughs> You undersalt everything. Well, in this book, um, a lot of things are undersalted. Okay. Because it's meant to go with another sauce or something oh, near the end of the book. Of course. And so oh, there are a lot I of suggestions see. for how to combine those. Got it. Yeah. Oh, fun mix and match. Yeah. And that's that's something that I really want people to take away is that you don't just make a recipe from this book or any other book really. Mm-hmm. You sort of add that to your mental tool- toolbox mm-hmm. and then keep keep going and use it again or use pieces for another one and mash them up i love it and like a lot of the sauces i would i would imagine um you can make ahead of time and just have them in your mental not mental your actual (laughs) toolbox yes aka fridge a lot of them i didn't put this in the book but a lot of them can be frozen yeah ahead of time in smaller uh, Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) frozen uh in smaller portions and then you can Throw yeah. them in whenever you need them. That's really helpful. Yeah. Um, I love this refreshing take on cooking. You know, you <laughs> see a lot of, like, cookbooks from, like, chefs who are like, you should do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I right, not like more that. real. All right. Let's um, talk a lot more about this book right after a quick little commercial break. Bob's Red Mill is a proud sponsor of Heritage Radio Network and a big supporter of organic farmers. 
Ray and Tom Williams are two farmers who have worked with Bob for years and co-own an organic farm in eastern Oregon and Washington. Ray shares what their relationship with Bob's Red Mill means to them. We thought that for over the long term, we thought it would make sense, better sense for the soil. Also, we thought that uh, it was something that would improve the quality of the food uh, supply. We're lucky in that we're working with Bob's Red Mill. We're part of a uh, regional food network. Uh, With Bob is a fundamental uh, relationship and cornerstone to that. We also work with other best-of-class people in the Northwest, and we're thankful for the long-term relationship that's brought uh, good things to the soil and good things to our long-term farm economic plans. We appreciate his attitude toward absolutely high standards for the benefit of his customers. We take pride in meeting those standards. Learn more about Bob's Red Mill and their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. All right, we're back chatting more with Jen De La Vega. She is the creator of Randwiches, a blog. She's also the editor-in-chief of Put an Egg on It. It's a z- quarterly zine. Oh, I'm sorry. Editor-at-large. Sorry, that's my <laughs> Editor-at-large. Um, and she's now the author of a cookbook called The Showdown Comfort Food Chili and Barbecue Cookbook. And it is such a wide-ranging... Well, first of all, you have 100 recipes packed in here. Yes. It's it, a lot. It felt overwhelming when I first uh, started this project, but it includes these sauces, which mm, are significantly shorter to write. <laughs> yeah, but all of them were something you had originated at a cooking competition. Yes, that's true. That's amazing. How many cooking competitions have you done? Gosh. More than 100, then? No, not more than 100. Okay, so exactly 100? So then I'll, no. no. Some of the sauces overlapped onto some of the dishes, so... I would say that I competed two or three times a year for the last eight years. And then yeah. the barbecue series was four, eight weeks out of three summers. Got so it. So these are tested. I should quantify that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but these are crowd tested. Yes, they are. And I just love, I mean, I just need to like read some of these out. You have like everything from like a hot ham ramen mm-hmm. to um, uh, there's a crispy um, janping yes. in here. Did you make, what did you make that for? Was, was there a, an egg takedown at some point? It was point? bacon. I, bacon. Uh, yeah. Bacon, okay. <laughs> bacon takedown you won a couple times, right? Yeah. And that chapter actually is where it takes a turn in this book. It, it mm. doesn't be- become about what do I enter into a competition? Mm-hmm. What do I do with the winnings? Oh. I won a year's supply of bacon. Oh. <laughs> which right. was a dream for me. Yeah. And I was hoping that they would just drop a pallet just uh-huh. straight on my doorstep. Oh my but God. it was less glamorous than that. It was coupons. But thank you so much for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was very happy to use all that bacon. Jen, you know what I'm noticing? There's no fondue recipe in here. And I know you did the fondue takedown. There's a queso fundido in there. Oh, okay, that works. But not a straight fondue. And not that I would ever... Okay. Have a straightforward <laughs> fondue a lot anyway. Of random cook-offs at one point. I love the names that you give your recipes. There's Jerry Hallowell, you know, ginger spice chili. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, said, I read I that mean, really that's, that's a vital part of this, too, mm-hmm. when you're entering a competition. It's also part marketing. It's entertaining. You have to remember. You have to give, give people something memorable or easy to reference when, you, when they walk away with one of 20 samples. That and they're trying to judge. Yeah. That's why it also makes a good cookbook entry. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I can't get over it. I can't really um, summarize it because they're so all over the place. You also have like adobo 
Wangs? Yes. <laughs> Why'd you call them wangs, first of all? They're wings, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it's just part of the, I guess, the my personal language around this food. It's, you want some wangs? Oh, so this okay. is how I communicate with my roommates and cooking <laughs> companions. And, <laughs> you know, I'm just slinking around a corner. Are you guys hungry? Do you want some wangs? So that's sort of where it comes from, this purposeful ridiculousness. Love it. <laughs> But at the same time, this looks like a very solid and delicious sounding adobo marinade. Yeah. Uh, with some bacon fat. And it, you're Filipino, so it, yeah, you... Yeah, it comes know. from, yeah, mm-hmm. growing up with adobo chicken, which mm-hmm. is, is stewed for about 20 minutes. Like, chunks of, of chicken are stewed in a gastrique of vinegar, soy sauce, garlic, pepper, and bay leaf. Um, but how do I translate that to a grill? Mm-hmm. It was, was what I was thinking when I, when I put that menu together. I am, like, so all about grilling chicken wings this summer, and usually any summer, so I'm definitely going to try that. I'm getting bored of my my marinades. Um, So, yeah, it sounds wonderful. You have, like, some bacon fat in it a little bit, and then some, you know, vinegar, honey. Yeah, vinegar. Um, Good stuff. So, okay, so you're also, let's talk about put an egg on it. So this is a, a quarterly, but you call it a zine, and I think it really lives up to... The, the ethos of what, you know, what we think of when we think of a zine. So it's like kind of irreverent. It's mm-hmm. a little bit handmade and scrappy. Yeah, it's, um, it's about communal eating. It's about interesting food, the ugliness of the kitchen. Uh, we sometimes take pictures of inside people's fridges or mm-hmm. the dirty dishes. And it's sort of real life. Photo essays, yeah. illustrations and stories. And recipe like about cannolis, for instance. <laughs> and there's a different theme to each issue. I love it. Yeah, so the one you're holding is issue 12. Mm-hmm. And the recipe theme in the back of the zine is canned fish. So every... <laughs> 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 what do you do with canned fish? <laughs> I love this, like, fish loaf or something, like, from the old um, old cookbooks. Oh, here, we have mortadella. Oof. Really like fun pastiche of oh of that that stuff. page is a we we've started to work in a parody oh of, that's um, something oh, that people might old. recognize yeah so that's a Betty Crocker recipe card that we've sort of parodied and I made a mortadella in a um, a bunt mold a bun- yeah <laughs> <laughs> and with Ritz crackers thrown throughout yeah and styled in a very um, I don't know vintage way. It's so much fun. I'm very excited. Issue 14, um, which is coming out very soon, hopefully this month, uh, our theme is goat. Goat. Which is an underutilized protein. Oh, yeah. And I have a recipe in there for, um, it's a mix between this Filipino dish called calderata and then hmm. and dumplings. Oh, that sounds so, wonderful. Yeah. Dumplings. Goat dumplings. Yeah. Like, so inside the dumpling. That sounds mm-hmm. awesome. All right. Looking forward to that. Um, definitely um, we'll have to tell everyone at Heritage Foods USA. They do have a lot of goat. And uh, Oh. Yeah. We should talk. Yes. We should have your recipes on the site. Um, so, okay. So, <clears throat> put an egg on it is also known as a foodie article, I should mention. Yes. <laughs> so, you'll find it at Food Book Fair and, and um, I don't know. Our team actually, Ralph, uh, designed the Food Book Fair programs this year. Oh, that's awesome. It's lovely. We, we had a table. We were there. You may have seen me. We were right next to Cherry Bomb. Lovely yeah. Cherry Bomb. <laughs> yeah, good, yeah, exactly. Another family member here at Heritage Radio Network. Well, that was a fun fact. Um, we were actually the oldest zine in the room. We're turning Put ten, an egg on it? Yeah, wow. we're turning 10 years old next year. 
Oh my gosh. Can you believe it? Wow. <laughs> How old is like, um, oh, I guess Cherry Bomb is not as old. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Turning 10. And then what about like the others, like kind of like uh, the more like cerebral food, like a gather journal. Oh, diner journal's older. That's right. Diner. I, well, I'm not I don't know. In the room where they been. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. I'm just, it seems, well, okay. It seems like there's, there's a, a lot of newer ones, but uh, yeah. yeah, tons of admirable new ones. That's Love really it. exciting. I was just reading Ambrosia. Mm-hmm. You know, that Brooklyn issue. I've never heard of that one. That's oh, cool. It's very thick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beautiful photography. And they're focusing on different regions. And they really went deep on Brooklyn. They had an interview with, um, oh gosh, what's his name from Pop Pop? Pop Pop. Oh, Pop, Andy Pop. Ricker. Andy Ricker. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Luke Davin, who did, um, what's it called? Okasana. Ah, cool. Yeah. You see, it's really exciting to see... Um, zines thriving or quarterlies whatever you want to call them foodie articles in a time when everyone's you know print is in danger bigger magazines are folding for whatever reason um yeah usually we at uh egg sort of have this kind of anti-journalism situation we really want to encourage everyday people who have stories about food or uh you know people who yeah creative people in food who don't necessarily write Mm -hmm. telling their stories we want you know we have a submit at putaegonit.com <laughs> if you ever want to participate or have questions about working with us in the future. All right. Definitely check that out. Put an egg on it. And how is Randwiches going? Oh, it's my gosh. Your I've neglected my blog, project. I have to say, if you check the okay. website. <laughs> because I've been so wonderfully busy with weddings. Oh, I'm so happy to be uh, making people's days. Like <laughs> It is a busy season then for that. Absolutely. And cookbooks. And cookbook. Um, I don't know how you manage it all. So, okay, so you used to be a radio DJ. Yes. So that's why that's why Jenna's a natural at this right now. Um, <laughs> I was at KDVS 90.3 FM in Davis, California. So college radio was your thing for many years. Yes. And um, music industry. That's and- the first reason why I moved here. It wasn't mm-hmm. for food. Yeah. I, I was a radio promoter. I got to work with amazing bands like Girl Talk and Black Moth Super Rainbow and... I had this whole electronic beat that I got to go to, and it was very late nights, which is why I was very tired on Sundays and needed a grilled cheese. That's so funny. And, you know, you talk about people who are like, how do I find the time to cook? Well, now it's like, how do you, how do you find the time to do your other jobs? I don't even know how. I don't know either. <laughs> I just sort of wake and do. Yeah. That's just what I do. Um, so what's happening next for the Showdown Cookbook? Because I know you've been traveling a bit. Yeah, I just ca- came events. back from California last night. I had an excellent book event at Green Apple Books. Thank you very much. San you know, Fran. Nice. You know them. Um, I'm popping up at Project Parlor, which is sort of my um, victory lap uh-huh, after uh-huh. winning in like 2012 this barbecue <laughs> competition. I'm coming back for a pop-up, non-competitive pop-up. Uh, to sort of pay homage to the bar that kind of helped me start this thing. Are you going to make the same winning dish? I haven't decided which dishes I'm going to make yet, Mm -hmm. but... I really want to be out in the sun with my giant mimosa. (laughs) I love that, like, you know, you were saying earlier that, you know, sometimes um, people will look at the pictures on this book and the cover and so forth and be like, where can I buy that? But, you know, you don't have have that. And you don't have this, like, normal recurring menu, too. Not like a restaurant or some caterers might have, like, these are my my dishes that you can choose from. But uh, it's a... It's Maybe. a fleeting, ephemeral thing that, you know, One time adding only. to. I'm like a Snapchat. <laughs> 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 
exactly. God, your I'm food, sorry I said that. Your food is 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 basically Snapchat. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but it's like it's um you know, you have to recreate it if you want to buy that or yeah. you know, experience that. I mean, maybe down the line I will have something that is recurring and regular, but um I really want to work directly with people or help people make the dishes. I'm I'm sort of an open hotline if you ever want to tweet at me at Randwiches. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, I, I I might do that, too, when I'm making your adobo wings and so forth. And Plus, I've already found, like, two typos, and so I really want to <laughs> make the next, like, sure, printing, sure. like, super accurate and yeah. helpful. <laughs> it's a, it, it is a evolving food and community, and um, I really enjoy keeping tabs on what you're doing, and we'll definitely tweet at you. <laughs> <laughs> any questions and I, I hope everyone does too yeah yeah oh man um i guess that's about all the time we have for today but um thanks so much for joining and sharing your story it's really inspirational and i hope that everyone who thinks that they they don't have enough experience to cook or doesn't doesn't you know want to try something new off off the cuff will embrace the the fun of this approach absolutely i agree all right. Well, thanks so much, Jen. Well, thank you, Kathy. And everyone check out Showdown Comfort Food, Chili, and Barbecue. And we'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Fresh Pickings is a podcast by Heritage Radio Network, presented by Bob's Red Mill. Love learning about food? Get more superfood for your brain with the featured podcast miniseries, Fresh Pickings. Go to bobsredmill.com slash freshpickings. Are you confused about the difference between muesli and granola? Welcome to Fresh Pickings. I'm your host, Kat Johnson, and today we're going to help you sort out that difference by doing a deep dive into the world of muesli. On Fresh Pickings, we're taking a closer look at everyday ingredients, and muesli is full of some of my favorites. On this episode, I'll talk to Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past, about what makes muesli muesli. We'll talk about its old world history and how muesli is made in different parts of the world. Then, Michael Harlan Turkel, host of The Food Scene, is bringing us a very special interview with Bob Moore, the founder of Bob's Red Mill. 
there's so many nice ways of eating well, eating good whole grains that are healthy for you. Stay tuned. So on my show, HR and Happy Hour, I love to play trivia, and I like to write it for the people on the show with me. So today I'm going to have our engineer, David, play a little trivia with me. David, are you game? Okay, Kat, I'll give it a shot. I'll say a characteristic, and you tell me if I'm describing muesli or granola. Got it? Got it. Okay. This is made of oats, nuts, seeds, and fruits. Granola. Actually, it's both. Wait, so they're the same? Not exactly, but they're both based on the same ingredients. So what's the difference? All right, dude, I'm asking the questions here. Uh. Next one. This breakfast item can either be served cold or hot. Muesli. Uh, Wrong again. It's both. Uh, I don't like this quiz. It's okay. I have to admit I wasn't being very fair. Muesli and granola are very, very similar. The biggest difference is that granola is baked and muesli is raw. You'll usually find that muesli is looser, but that's because granola is made with sweeteners and fat, which would either be butter or oil, and that binds it together in clumps or clusters. Either way, though, they're both a great breakfast. The invention of muesli is credited to Swiss physician and nutritional pioneer Maximilian Bercher Benner around 1900. That's Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past on Heritage Radio Network and our resident food historian. His original recipe consisted of oat flakes, raw apples, condensed milk, nuts, and lemon juice. The first muesli was based on the diet of alpine shepherds, who Dr. Bircher Benner saw as being particularly virile and healthy. He prescribed muesli to his patients and saw overwhelming improvements in their health. Dr. Bircher Benner determined that much of the sickness experienced by his patients could be alleviated with increased exercise and a more nutritious diet. So how did Dr. Bircher Benner come up with the name muesli? Well, he originally called his concoction Duspies, or the dish. It was later referred to as Bircher Muesli, and eventually just Muesli, which means mix. Okay, so is Muesli just a European thing? Muesli is wildly popular all across Europe, but it picked up significant popularity in the U.S. in the mid-1960s, with the increased interest in healthful eating and vegetarian diets. The first mass-produced Muesli was introduced in 1959, by Somalon AG, now Biofamilia AG, a Swiss company that got its start with muesli. Somalon AG used Dr. Bircher Benner's recipe to create Bio Bircher Muesli, the healthy food for the whole family. Bio Bircher Muesli was exported to Germany, the U.S., Austria, England, and the Netherlands in 1960. In the 1970s, Somalon introduced Crunchy Muesli, a muesli toasted with sugars and oils, similar to today's granola. The product was introduced in response to U.S. taste preferences. (music) 
I wanted to take a closer look at some muesli options that are readily available at stores in my neighborhood. After browsing the shelves, I came across Bob's Red Mill's full lineup, from gluten-free muesli to old country style. Each is made with wholesome ingredients, just as nature intended. And since they're made with whole grains, they're also a great source of fiber. Today, instead of bringing in a chef to give us a recipe, we have a real treat. Our very own Michael Harlan Turkel, host of the food scene on Heritage Radio Network, recently visited Bob Moore at Bob's Red Mill to learn about the origins of his muesli recipes. Ah, we found that. We were to bed and breakfast in Scotland, no less. I think it was Elgin uh, up in the top uh, by the North Sea. And uh, they served this this delightful whole grain muesli, she said, something like that. She had a funny way of saying it. And I, I couldn't understand what she was saying, so she went in the kitchen and got the box that it came out of. And now I see it came from Switzerland, and it was muesli, that we're, we say muesli, and it means grain. And I looked at the box, and I thought, well, this is, this is amazing. It's got all these wonderful ingredients in it. It's a, it's a lovely cereal, and it's very healthy. So uh, I brought it back with me from, from Scotland in the early 80s, and uh, it was a product from Switzerland, and it was called Swiss muesli. Muesli. <laughs> and how do you prefer to... Eat muesli. I just, I, I'm the old fashioned. I like to cook it. I like the longer you cook it, the better it tastes. So I don't quit worrying about trying to jump out of bed and run out and get in the car and eat something on the way to work because it's not a very healthy way to live. You need to set your alarm back about 15 minutes and or soak it overnight. You can do that too. You can take a wide mouth thermos, and you can put a certain amount of the muesli in the in there. Put a certain amount of water in there, hot water, and then you can stir it all up a little bit. Put the lid on, leave it on the sink. The next morning, you can heat it up in a microwave. Uh, it's got it. There's so many nice ways of eating well, eating good whole grains that are healthy for you. Thanks to Michael Harlan Turkel for bringing us that wonderful interview with Bob Moore. Well, that's just about everything you could want to know about muesli. If you liked what you heard, be sure to check out our other episodes of Fresh Pickings and learn more about Bob's Red Mill's favorite ingredients, including some delicious recipes and great coupon offers by going to bobsredmill.com slash fresh pickings. Bob's Red Mill believes in good food for all. For Heritage Radio Network, I'm your host, Kat Johnson. Thanks for joining us.